Well, hello there. This is Evangelist Timothy Gruber here at the Word of the King. Holiness Bibles for the Blind. Ecclesiastes chapter 8 verse 4 tells us that where the Word of the King is, there is power. We may say unto him, What doest thou? Today in the Word of the King, we're going to be looking Acts chapter 17 at the Berean Church, and we're going to be interviewing having some discourse with Brother Ken Wolfgang. So in his own personal testimony is, hey, spirit of the Bereans, his own life. But before we get started, I would like to open up prayer, Father, in the name of Jesus. Well, thank you, dear Lord God, for the testimony of your word pertains to your Lord God, to the saints there, Berean Church, now they were very diligent, dear Lord God, in studying the scriptures, dear Lord God, to see if those things, dear Lord God, which were testified to them, certain you, the living God, and your Messiah, Jesus Christ, were be true according to the scriptures, Lord God, and everything else that they heard, Lord God, they were diligent, Lord God, in searching the scriptures. And uh, Father God, I just want to praise you and want to give you thanks, Lord God, that we have same spirit of you, the living God, in us, Lord God, as they themselves had. And Lord God, help us by way of your spirit. We talk, Lord God, according to your words, rightly divided. And I just lift up this time and this interview with Brother Ken Wolfgang now, Lord God, and ask you, dear God, to have your way in all of it, Lord God, and just praise you and give you thanks now for all these things. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I'm going to start off here, read Acts 17, I'm going to read verse 1, down through verse 12. Now when they had passed through Amphipolis, Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica, there was a synagogue of the Jews. And Paul, as his manner was, went in unto them, Three Sabbath days reasoned with them out of the scriptures, opening and alleging Christ must needs have suffered, risen again from the dead, and that this Jesus who might preach unto you is Christ. And some of them believed and consorted with Paul and Silas, and of the devout Greeks, a great multitude, and of the chief women, not a few. But the Jews which believed not, who did envy? took unto them certain loose fellows of the baser sort, and gathered a company, and set all the city on uproar, and assaulted the house of Jason, and sought to bring them out to the people. When they found them not, they drew Jason and certain brethren unto the rulers of the city, crying, These would have turned the world upside down, or come hither also. Whom Jason hath received, and these all do contrary to, to, to the decrees of Caesar, saying that there is another king, one Jesus. They troubled the people and the rulers of the city when they heard these things. When they had taken security of Jason and of the other, they let them go. And the brethren immediately sent away Paul and Silas by night unto Berea, who coming thither went and 
into the synagogue of the Jews. These were more noble than those of Thessalonica, that they received the word with all readiness of mind and searched the scriptures daily, whether those things were so. Therefore many of them believed. Also of honorable women, which were Greeks, and of men, not a few. Hello, Brother Ken Wolfgang. Hi there, Brother Tim. So, I would like you now to give us some insight on how the spirit of the Bereans, by the grace of God, who received the word with all readiness of mind and searched the scriptures daily, whether those things were so, how and what things God used to make that spirit all the more real in your own life okay well first of all okay <laughs> last time on the word of the king you preached which is actually this being part two you preached the message you have an unction and you were mentioning a brother who used a version of the Bible, or in this case, um, it, even though it's a King James, it's a study reference Bible, the Schofield. Yes, correct. Now, many people use different study reference Bibles, that being the most common, but many people use reference Bibles. Shortly after I got saved and then got into Bible college, one of the first things someone gave me was a study reference Bible. It was in a larger print, but it had the references to different verses. And I noticed those, and even though it gave references to certain words in, in, in text, and it would refer you to another verse of the scripture, I started to notice a problem with that. Sometimes those verses were out of context for what was really meant in the context. And I started to say, now wait a minute. Right from the beginning, something is wrong with this. And let me just jump in here for a moment quick, and let me just remind our listeners, as the Scriptures declare, Peter's one epistle, that no prophecy of Scripture is of any private interpretation in what you're alluding to. McCann's uh, scripture references that condoned a private interpretation. Uh, thank you for actually going right where I was headed. And so what happens is these people that put these references in there, and that's why I, I totally despise these things because, okay, Jehovah's Witnesses with the nasty witch's toilet, as I call it, they have their thing and they got references in there. You got the Catholics; they they got reference Bibles. You've got um, you've got um, <laughs> Kenneth Copeland now has his own study reference Bible. Uh, Rod Parsley's got a study reference Bible. You could find study reference Bibles out your ears, and every one of them have their own private, as you just said, interpretation, and they will put their own spin on what the scriptures mean, but 
Is it what God really meant? Here's what I like to tell everybody, and this is exactly what the Bereans were doing. Now picture this, Tim, and to all the listeners, I want you to picture this. Here's Paul and Silas and these guys. They come in. These are the apostles, mind you. They come in to Berea because Thessalonica, they, they have been treated badly. They come in. Now, these are the apostles. They, they walked and talked with Jesus. They, they had been there. And they walk in. They're telling these people about Jesus. And they, these Bereans said, okay, thanks for telling us. Now, uh, would you mind just going down the road, go home for a while? And the uh, apostles say, what, what, are you, what are you talking about, go home for a while? We're going to do some Bible study. We're going to open up our Jewish Torah, the Jewish Bible, the Jewish Scripture, and we're going to study it from Genesis 1-1 to the completion of what would have been at that time, Malachi or whatever they had. And they studied every word. As Jesus said, every jot and tittle. That's every comma, every period. They wanted to know what that book said. And if those apostles had been off in one point, they would have, when them apostles came back, they would have said, sorry boys, you're out of here. We don't want to hear a word from more from you. But when they found that the apostles were telling the truth, they said, okay, now tell us some more. So, what happened is, when I saw these, this reference Bible, having this stuff, I took those references and basically... <laughs> Now, you're going to laugh at this. I took a, a, a little pen, and I marked out all of those references. <laughs> I literally did. I scribbled them out to where you couldn't even see them, and I just had just the scriptures. And I learned to take my Bible and remember this point. Every listener, I want you to take this point. Tim, ask yourself, does your Bible not have a front cover? It certainly does. Does it not have a side binding cover? It certainly does. And does it not have a back cover? It certainly does. That tells you one thing right there, that God meant that book to be one book contained of 66 individual books, just like when you have on your computer, you have one file, and inside of it, it has 66 sub-files, named Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, all the way down to Revelation. And in those, each of those files are sub-files called chapters, which when you open them, you read the sub-text files, which are the individual verses. That's what your Bible is. But what people try to do with their Bible is they say, oh, well, this verse stands alone, let's read this. Let me give you an example, okay? The Charismatics take 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 18, all by itself. Go ahead and let me, let me go ahead and let me read that first. Okay. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 18. The righteous scarcely be saved, where shall the ungodly and the sinner appear? 
Now, by itself, <laughs> that might scare most people into thinking that if those who are saved, righteous, scarcely get into heaven, where's those who are lost and going to hell going to end up? Okay? That would very clearly sound like that, and most charismatic preachers preach it exactly like that. But, if you look at the whole context of 1 Peter chapter 4, let's go back to verses 1 and 2. What do they say? Well, I was just going to say before we even read verses 1 and 2, we know where the ungodly and the sinner shall appear. Right. Jesus Christ, they're going to end up in a lake of fire. Right, but let's look at verses 1 and 2. Let's see what the whole context of the chapter is. For as much then as Christ hath suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves likewise with the same mind, for he that hath suffered in the flesh hath ceased from sin. And he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh to the lust of men, but to the will of God. Now, if we go down to verse 19, what does it say? Wherefore? And of course, wherefore, I would just emphasize wherefore in that context, basically saying, in light of everything that you've just read, wherefore, let them that suffer according to the will of God commit the keeping of their souls to him in well-doing, as unto a faithful creator. Hmm. Let's see. Verses 1 and 2 talk about what? Verses 1 and 2 talk about the sufferings of Christ and how we are to live in light of the sufferings of Christ. Right. And then verse 19 talks about what again? talks about keeping of um, God keeping our soul as we commit our soul and suffering to him suffering once again suffering 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 all the way the whole chapter is talking about suffering you read the whole chapter you find it's talking about suffering so verse 18 is not talking about salvation obviously when you do true honest Bible study in context, Verse 18 is talking about suffering. So, if the righteous scarcely be saved from what? Suffering. Yes. Where shall the ungodly and sinner appear? Meaning, if we as Christians are not going to be saved from our sufferings, uh, hello, uh, God maketh it to rain on the just as well as the unjust. All of a sudden, your whole Bible put together, it makes sense. See, but like I said, they, there are these that take one verse out of the Bible and say, okay, I want this verse over here, and I'll let it stand by. A Berean Christian says, okay, now I'm going to get into another point here real close in a few seconds, but a Berean Christian takes his whole Bible and realizes it has a front cover, a side seam cover, and a back cover realizes it is one complete word of God. Why? Because who wrote it? John 1.1, 1, 1, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. You are literally in a tactile form, have Jesus right there, because Jesus was the word of God in flesh. Well, you've got Jesus right there, in his word, the KJV. Okay? So, when you got that Bible, you can't just take part of him. you got to have all of him. 
You can't just take the parts you like. There's some things you may not like, and you're going to have to say, okay. So when you've got your KJV, you have to consider it as a whole. You can't have a part of it, just like you cannot take part of Jesus. You've got to have all of him. You can't take part of him to get saved. You've got to take all of him. Amen. Now, a point that I'd like to make, Tim, is who are the Bereans? Now, in the scripture, these were men who studied daily the scriptures to see if they were, what they were being taught was true. Okay? Today, if you look, there's a group of Christians, they actually call themselves Berean. Okay? Now, doctrinally, what do they believe? Now, if you look at the Baptist doctrine, technically, they believe exactly as the Berean doctrine. I mean, they're very similar. They believe that Jesus died on the cross, he was virgin born lived 33 years of a perfect sinless life, died on a cross for our sins once for all, and he was buried, rose again the third day, that it's not of works, lest any man should boast. I mean, we're talking complete Baptist doctrine. I mean, there's no difference between the two. Premillennial, pre-tribulational rapture, the... I mean, basic Baptist doctrine, I mean, they're basically the same thing. The only difference is, uh, I mean, the differences that I can tell are so minor that it's, it, it's hardly noticeable, okay? But I'm not saying that I am a, quote, person that goes to a Berean church. See, see I am trying to say I am a person who believes... In studying my Bible, without because they believe the one thing they believe in that the Baptists believe in, that the uh, Berean Church believes in, that both of them believe in that I have noticed that in the Bible they stick, they take Hebrews chapter ten verse twenty five as well as other scriptures, and they try to almost make you worship their preachers, as well as they say you've got to have church membership in order to be right with God. Uh, sorry, but Hebrews 10.25, when you study the whole word of God, it does not say that. It says gather. I could gather on a street corner and be right with God. I could gather with fellow believers on a street corner, on the internet, on a telephone. Uh, hey, if we all would fit, we could fit on top of a telephone pole and be gathered, okay? And I'll give you an example right now. Tim, I want to ask you a question. If you were a car mechanic and knew exactly what you were doing, and you went over here to the Ford Automobile Plant and bought every part you needed for a brand new Ford Automobile of 2017... You bought every piece you needed, you brought them to your garage, and you put that car together, and you put the oil and the gas in that thing, and you started it up. Would that be a Ford automobile? 
Chile's all the parts for the Ford automobile 2017. It's all put together properly. Yeah, it would be a Ford automobile. Okay. Well, what if you did the same thing, but you went over to an old vacant uh, 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 factory building and put it together and it ran? Sure. Sure, yeah, sure. Sure, it was all Ford auto parts, and yeah. Doesn't matter, what, doesn't matter where you put it together. Uh, thank you. You finally said where I was going to keep going to. It doesn't matter if you did it in a city park. It doesn't matter if you did it. It, it doesn't matter if you did it uh, uh, down on the beach. It doesn't matter where you put that thing together. If it runs and it's all Ford automobile parts, hey, it doesn't matter if it was all Chevy parts. If you gather, notice the words, gather those parts together, put them together, and you start it up, and you drive it down the road, it's a Ford, or it's a Chevy, or it's a Buick. Hello! So if you got fellow believers together, and they gather together, they are, quote, the church, unquote. The church is in the people's hearts, not on a sign outside on the front lawn of some stupid building that's built of wood, glass, and stone. But these people, these pastors, what? They get from the Bible, Hebrews 10.25, forsake not the church building. That's not what that said. Jesus never said that, nor did the apostles. And a true Berean believer says, uh-uh. Every word, every jot and every tittle of that word is true. And when he studies that book as a complete unit, he says, excuse me, uh... The Old Testament tithing law, it's now cheerful giving. Sorry, but uh, I don't buy that. Uh, this thing about uh, uh, church membership, that ain't Bible. And, and they see things like that. Why? Because it's true. But you ain't going to hear no pastor preach yet. I would like to give an example, Kenny, here. Okay, go ahead. First Corinthians chapter 3. In the context, talking about the judgment seat of Christ, verse 15 of 1 Corinthians 3, If any man's works shall be burned, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. Uh, did you know that uh, the Roman Catholic cult uses that verse to teach purgatory? <laughs> uh, being an ex-Catholic, I exactly, I knew that's exactly uh, one of their most favorited ones for that. Uh, their purgatory <laughs> cult. We know from comparing Scripture to Scripture that our God is a consuming fire. So when it says that he himself should be saved, yet so it is by fire, it's a testimony to the fact that our God, who is a consuming fire, is his Savior, it's his salvation. And furthermore, any true believing Christian who knows this, that's honest proof that that right there proves that once saved, always saved. You you cannot lose it. Yeah, that's Amen. proof that you cannot lose it. Not rather that that you're oh some purgatory nonsense. <laughs> Amen. So, but my point here is now I'm going to give a couple examples of studies as a Berean believer. And I'm not talking about that church. I'm talking about just as a Berean believer. Acts, as we just mentioned at the beginning. 
that I've done. Okay, one doctrine, Tim, and belief that I had to do a study on. A family member that's through my wife, Ruth, asked me a question. Now, Tim, you've heard people say that the only reason you should ever get a divorce in Scripture is only for adultery slash fornication, right? Yes. Did you know that's not true? There's one other reason. I think you're alluding to the, uh, uh, what did you refer to it as? The The law of life. The law of life, yeah. That's where the old Jewish law of life supersedes, in this case, the divorce law, in this case, the fornication law, in the event of abuse where a spouse is being abused so bad that their life is in peril. So in that case, the law of life kicks in. I'll give you an example. Remember when Jesus was talking about the Sabbath and he says, if, uh, if you found a sheep in a pit, would you not go out and pick him out, take him out? on the Sabbath day. And and he was in reference to that law of life. Why? Because if the sheep was caught in a pit, the sheep couldn't get something to drink, and obviously that sheep might have died on the Sabbath, and that would have been wrong. So he was stressing to those Pharisees and those priests, those lawyers, wait a minute, you have this law of life that you yourselves know about. And so... Even under the divorce law, that law supersedes it. Even, Tim, a diabetic who, who has like type 1 diabetes, you go check out. Ask any Jewish rabbi while you're over there in Israel. You ask them. They'll tell you this is true. A diabetic who has type 1 diabetes, they will not tell him he is not allowed to eat even on Yom Kippur. Why? Because they know that if he does not eat and keep his diet... On Yom Kippur, that it, it, why? Because of the law of life. It supersedes even Yom Kippur. Mm. Hello, even modern day Jewish Orthodox rabbis know this. Well, I actually have a rabbi that I can keep in touch with. I can ask him that question sometime. You ask him. He'll know about what you're talking about. As soon as you talk about the law of life, he'll verify that for you. He'll say, yeah, even a diabetic that's type 1, they will not stop him because of the law of life. That's what Jesus was talking about with the sheep, etc. And thus, that's what we're talking about, see, when it came to that divorce thing. See, and you don't find any preacher to preach that. All they like to stick with is, oh, adultery. Uh, don't you? If you got divorced for any other reason, well, you're a big fat sinner, and we're going to look down our nose at you. It doesn't matter that the person's being abused. Oh, you're supposed to stay there and take it, be a punching bag. And that's just one example. That tithing thing that I was telling you about. Oh well, if you don't give your money, you're going to be on God's most wanted list. <laughs> well, they didn't read that very carefully either. Okay. I mean, over and over, there's lots of things in the Scripture that they did not read, but had they read it as a complete unit, 
they'd find, I have found, Tim, the only thing you need outside of your Bible is a good, strong, exhaustive, notice the word I use, exhaustive concordance. And all you got to do is take, like, one word. Like, say you're wanting to study, let's say, adultery, okay? You take, look up every reference to just that word adultery. And then you read all those verses, and you'll start to see what God is really trying to say about that subject. All of a sudden, you find out that adultery, in some places where it's a context, you'll find out that adultery and fornication are just like Michelin and Goodyear. They're the same thing. Because spiritual adultery and spiritual fornication are the same thing. Which means, obviously, adultery and fornication and adultery in the physical sense are the same thing. And then you also pointed out in Jude, another type of fornication is when you're going after strange flesh, which is like your homosexuality and lesbianism. So, I mean, hello. Uh, it's a, it's a, did you study that book completely around? You find out these things. But some people are playing out one simple word. Lazy. Too lazy to just take and study it and take, what, months, if not years, to study one subject. Oh, well, that's too much work. Let's you go get this for somebody else who study it. Well, I don't want to follow Dr. Broadbottom. Thank you very much. And on that note, we're going to wind down here in the Word of the King. Before we do, I'd just like to close with the following verse. Told here in Second Timothy. Second Timothy chapter two verse fifteen. Study to show thyself approved unto God, and be not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. And also Second Timothy chapter three verses sixteen and seventeen. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction. For instruction in righteousness, the man of God may be perfect, truly furnished unto all good works. Thank you, Brother Kenny. You're welcome, Brother Tim. The Word of God declares, Romans 3.23, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The Word of God declares, that By the works of the law shall no flesh be justified in God's sight. For by the law is the knowledge of sin. Thou shalt have no other gods before me, the word of God declares, the first of the Ten Commandments. Who, what is your God this day, sinner? The word of God declares, first and greatest commandment, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, all thy mind, all thy strength. You have failed. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Second commandment is like unto it. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Have you always done unto others as you would do or have done unto you? No. You've not always done unto others as you would have them do unto you. Nor have you always loved the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your strength. You must be born again. For it is written, But God commendeth his love toward us. Well, thank God for the good news, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. For the wages of sin is death. Revelation 21.8 says, But the fearful, and the unbelieving, and the abominable, and murderers, and whoremongers, 
and sorcerers, and idolaters, and all liars shall their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Ah, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Receive his gift by faith today, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. But God commended his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. God manifest in the flesh, he rose from the dead. He's coming again, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Call upon today. Hey, this is Evangelist Timothy Groover. Till next time, God bless you and yours.